those principles. Second Peter chapter 1, and we'll just read one verse, verse 5. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge. Let's pray. Lord, we're coming back to our series about add to your faith, and I pray that you give us the words tonight that you'd have our church to know and to understand such a powerful topic. And Lord, if we could just learn to add to the faith that saves us these Christian virtues, a lot of wonderful benefits we've talked about. So I pray that you give us insight tonight into your word. Use Holy Spirit to teach us the eternal word. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. And so tonight we're talking about add to your faith knowledge. We already talked about what it meant to add to your faith. We've talked about uh, what it meant to add virtue to your faith. And then the Bible says tonight that we should add knowledge to our virtue and our faith. So I'll have a visual for you tonight. But if you think about a pyramid and on the bottom you have your faith. And then if you think about these virtues as just stacked on top of each other. So they're all resting on the faith, and so you have a faith, and then you have virtue on top of that, resting on the faith, and then you have knowledge resting on the virtue and the faith. And as I've said, I believe the Lord gave us these in a very specific order. I don't think that this is just a random order, that, that it doesn't matter which, which ones are more important or which ones rest upon others. For example, I, I think brotherly love is important. But I think if you have faith and brotherly love without virtue, you're going to be in a weak position. Uh, and so God wanted us to add virtue to our faith first, that moral excellence, the character of Christ. And then we're going to add knowledge to that moral excellence. Uh, you know, critics mistakenly accuse believers that God wants us to have a blind faith. They say, oh, your God just wants you to have blind faith. And I, I always correct them that while as a mature believer, I hope to have blind faith, you know, there comes a point where you've just learned enough about God and God's proven himself so real to you that you don't need a lot of explanation. He said it, that's it. As a new believer, it takes a little bit of sometimes like, why, how, how does this work? as God is asking us to depart from maybe things we've always done or do things we've never done, and we don't have a lot of understanding, uh, our faith may be weak, we don't have a lot of experience with God, so there's a lot of investigation. There comes a point when it's like, hey, if God said it, I'm in. And that's a good place to be. By the way, that's the best place to be. But these critics are mistaken. They use this phrase as a slur, they intend it to mean that God wants us to have faith without knowledge or reason. And I always point out to them, God never expects us to have faith without reason or faith without knowledge. The truth is, it's a reasonable thing to have faith in God when you look at it through the appropriate lens. And God wants us to have knowledge. God does not want an ignorant people. God wants us to have knowledge. It's true that God wants us to start with faith. That's an important thing to remember. Every relationship with God must start in faith. But the same God that says, if you're going to come to me, you're going to come to me by faith, 
then turns around and immediately says, now start learning. Because faith plus virtue plus knowledge equals more and more maturity and strength and productivity. God wants us to add knowledge to our faith. But once you start with faith, you approach the pursuit of knowledge through faith. The problem now is people are pursuing knowledge outside of God. When we're going to learn in a few minutes, I'll show you that all real useful knowledge begins in the Lord and in the fear of the Lord. Think of this statement. God wants us to have knowledge. Satan wants us to be ignorant. God wants us to have knowledge. Satan wants us to be ignorant. Knowledge is light. Ignorance is darkness. The Bible is very clear. God wants us to have the light of knowledge Satan wants us to live in the darkness of ignorance. I'll just quote for you a selection of verses that convey God's desire for us to have knowledge. Think of these as I read them. 2 Peter 3.18, But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Ephesians 1.17, That the God of our Lord Jesus, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Philippians 1.9, and this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. Colossians 1.9, for this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So God wants us to be knowledgeable, Satan wants us to be ignorant, But consider this important distinction. God wants us to be knowledgeable in life and godliness, but ignorant concerning sin and evil. Satan has the opposite goal. Satan wants us to be knowledgeable in sin and evil and ignorant in life and righteousness. You can see that at play today. You send your kids to public school, they're not learning reading and writing and arithmetic. They're learning sexuality and gender and and a a weird version of history and all of this other stuff. It's not, oh, Satan wants them to learn, just wants them to learn about sin and evil. Turn on the TV. How many programs do you think there are on TV tonight promoting righteousness and godliness? Morality. Go to the, the top... YouTubers and and the shows that the kids watch and go to Nickelodeon. And so, yeah, don't go there. But but go there and, and see what the kids are learning today. My son, while he was sick recently, he was watching a, a Transformers cartoon that was made for like six-year-olds. And he, he asked me to come here. He was sick and, and I went and looked and he... He rewinded it, and it was a transformer talking to a non-binary child, and the non-binary child is teaching this transformer, this robot, what it means to be non-binary and transgender, 
And the transformer said, that's how I feel. This is a cartoon made for six to nine-year-olds. It is everywhere. Disney came out, and they, they were outed, the executives talking about they're going to inject queerness into everything, and boy, they, they are. So God wants us to be knowledgeable <laughs> about life and godliness, but ignorant concerning sin and evil. And Satan wants us to be knowledgeable concerning sin and evil and ignorant of life and righteousness. We can see that happening today. Romans 16, 19. For your obedience has come abroad unto all men. I am glad, therefore, on your behalf, but yet I would have you wise unto that which is good and simple concerning evil. 1 Corinthians 14, 20. Brethren, be not children in understanding, howbeit in malice be ye children, but in understanding be men. God says, I got some things I need you to learn, but I don't want you to learn sin and evil. Be ignorant during those things. There are some things, and the book of Ephesians says there are some things that the lost world does that Christians should not even talk about. It's so wicked. And yet these things are forced upon us every single day. So God wants us to be knowledgeable. Satan wants us to be ignorant. God wants us to live in the light. Satan wants us to live in the dark. Now what is knowledge? The Bible says add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge. So what is knowledge? Before I give you the the Webster's Dictionary definition it's important to know that the Bible makes a distinction between knowledge that is learned mentally, it's accepted mentally, and knowledge that is learned through experience. And that distinction allows you to learn some connections and applications of knowledge. For example, it's one thing for a child to know what the Bible says. It's another thing for someone who's older to have experienced what the Bible says. They're both knowledge, but they're very different. Now, in our lesson tonight, we're not going to delve into that that important difference, but I think it's it's important enough to mention. But for the purposes of this lesson, we'll use a general definition of the word. Webster's 1820 Dictionary gives the following definition of knowledge. A clear and certain perception of that which exists or of truth and fact. The perception of of the connection and agreement or disagreement and repugnancy of our ideas. So it's, it's a perception of, of that which exists, truth or fact. It's facts. Knowledge are simply things that are. The sky is blue. That's a fact. The grass is green. That's a fact. In the beginning, God made them male and female. That's a fact. There's all kinds of facts the world has. Knowledge is simply the accumulation of facts, the learning of facts. It's, it's an illumination of the mind. It's interesting it says that because we liken ignorance to darkness and knowledge to light. That's the way the scripture defines it. And Webster's talks about that learning is the illumination of the mind. It's the accumulation of skills 
it's the collection of information. The book of Proverbs approaches knowledge in an interesting way. It reiterates three important concepts, and I like to call them the big three. Knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. And turn to the book of Proverbs. I want to show you a place where these uh, exist. We'll use our Bibles now for the rest of the, the study. I had so many verses we wouldn't have time to, to turn to all of them. Proverbs chapter 9. <laughs> Proverbs chapter 9 and look at verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of what? Wisdom. wisdom. So here's wisdom. And the knowledge, there's knowledge, of the holy is understanding. Boy, what a powerful verse. We could preach an hour on, on that verse and how it all works together. But here you see wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Look at Proverbs chapter 2. You don't usually find these concepts in the same verse. Here are two places where it happens. Usually you find them around each other in the book of Proverbs. But Proverbs chapter 2 and verse 6, For the Lord giveth wisdom, out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. So what is knowledge? Knowledge are simply the facts. Knowledge are the facts that we acknowledge to be true. Wisdom is the godly application of knowledge. Facts are useless unless we know what to do with them. Two plus two equals four is a fact. But what do you do with that? Well, now if I want to, to buy oranges, I need four oranges. Now two oranges plus two oranges equals four oranges. That's likened to wisdom. I know how to use the information that I've been given. So knowledge are the facts. Excuse me. Knowledge are the facts. Wisdom is the godly application of knowledge. It was how to use knowledge in the way God intended. Understanding is the comprehension of the nuances of the facts, including what they mean, how they're connected, and the consequences of wisdom or foolishness. So understanding is kind of the fabric that, that holds it all together. So you have... If you liken it to a body, you have the, the skeleton, which is the structure. Those are the facts. And then if you put the muscles on the skeleton that moves the, the, uh, the bones, that's wisdom. Wisdom uses the information in the way God intended. And then understanding is like the skin that covers it all. It's how it's all connected. When I move my arm, my skin up here moves and and. Understanding is, is, a, is seeing and comprehending the nuances of truth uh, and the consequences of wisdom or foolishness. And these three things are vitally important. And again, we could spend a, a whole week talking about those things. What's interesting is, look at Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7. Of those three, the Bible says wisdom is the principal thing. If you had to pick one of those things... Pick wisdom. So Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7, Wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom. So wisdom's number one of the three. What's number two of the three? Read the rest of the verse. 
And with all thy getting, get understanding. So out of these three, wisdom is number one. Understanding is number two. But wait a minute. You can't have either of those without knowledge. (coughs) So in the pursuit of wisdom and in the pursuit of understanding, we must first start with knowledge. We must start with the facts, the things that are before we know how to use them and how they interconnect and the consequences of them. So clearly, knowledge is a priority in the Scripture. Would you agree with that? So the Bible declares that we must add knowledge to our virtue and our faith, and that is readily seen. Let's take a moment and talk about the relationship between virtue and knowledge. Why are both required? Why is virtue first? Why isn't knowledge first? And look at Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. We see an important fact here. Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of what? Wait a minute, I thought the beginning of the Lord, or the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Well, it is, but you can't have wisdom without knowledge. And you can't have useful knowledge without the fear of the Lord. So really, all education starts with an understanding of who God is. And the fear of the Lord speaks of a twofold uh, element. It is a, a fear of disappointing Him. Because we reverence Him, we respect Him. And it's a fear of disobeying Him because we know He's got a big paddle. Before you can really have any useful knowledge and know what to do with it, you have to start with God. Do you see the problem in modern education? Because they start from an absence of nothing. And they try to give facts without any basis of where they come from and why they matter. And then, oh, you know what? If there's no morality, why not just tailor the facts to what you would want them to be. You know, it wasn't too long ago in America that if you lied in a news story, or even if you got a news story wrong, you lost your job. If a reporter came out and front page or 6 o'clock news said, this is fact, and they were wrong because they didn't do their due diligence, they lost their job. And today we have people who have prizes and awards for stories that were proved later to be false and they get promoted. We're living in an age that incentivizes deception. Isn't that terrible? You get rewarded for telling the best believable lie and then when it's found out you just move on to the next lie and the next lie. So this is one reason why knowledge is is added to virtue. Virtue must be had first. Here's the introductory statement. Knowledge without virtue is dangerous. Knowledge without virtue is dangerous. The Bible declares useful knowledge must start with the fear of the Lord. What is the result when people have knowledge but no virtue? Well, we see this all around us today. Uh, has, Has the world been ever been more smart in some ways and more foolish in all the ways that matter. 
There are many people today that are knowledgeable, but they lack virtue. Intelligence without honor is dangerous. Unbridled knowledge can be very destructive to oneself and others. A gossip misuses knowledge and hurts others. A cynic can use knowledge to steal strength and joy. Deceivers use knowledge to manipulate and connive. Examples of the dangerous mix of intelligence and depravity are found all around us and throughout history. The worst criminals that have ever existed have been highly, highly intelligent. But no morality. Psychopaths and sociopaths are typically highly intelligent. But they either have their own system of right and wrong, or they have none at all. Oh, friend, knowledge without virtue is dangerous. Virtue points intelligence in the right direction. Virtue directs knowledge into the best use of it for the good of others. Knowledge without virtue is able to justify its selfish desires without the restraint of morality. And this is why God says, I want you to have knowledge, but I need you to have a moral excellence first. I need you to have the boundaries of morality, a knowledge of right and wrong, so you know what to do with the facts that you learn. I've got some verses about that in Proverbs we don't have time for. Intelligent people without a moral compass of God's word can choose to be willingly ignorant of truths that would restrain them. 2 Peter 3, 5, for this they willingly are ignorant of. Consider this verse, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 20. O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust, avoiding profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science falsely so called. The Apostle Paul warned Timothy of people who would use false science. The word science there, the underlying word, speaks of knowledge. People that would use knowledge, false knowledge, to justify their unbiblical actions and philosophies. And we see that every day, don't we? So of course God wants us to have virtue and then knowledge because virtue without knowledge is dangerous. But let's look at the opposite side of the coin. Virtue without knowledge is naive. So knowledge without virtue is dangerous, but virtue without knowledge is naive. It's gullible. If you had to choose between knowledge and virtue, choose virtue every time. But we don't have to choose. We're supposed to have virtue and then add knowledge to our virtue. Virtuous people with no knowledge are easily deceived. Virtuous people want to do the right thing. Morally, they're committed to be honorable and righteous. Nevertheless, they're vulnerable if intelligent people with no morals can connive and guide and manipulate and mislead them using their good intentions even against them. Unscrupulous people constantly seek to manipulate others by spinning the facts to accomplish their goals. Here's an interesting point. If Satan cannot corrupt your morals, he will attempt to change the narrative. 
If Satan can get good people to accept false information, he can control them through their morality. We see this happening today. How could you say homosexuality is wrong? These people love each other. How could you deny this 13-year-old child the the ability to change her body forever or his body forever. How could you do this? Where, where's your compassion, they cry, as they are willing to abort countless babies as a clump of cells with no meaning. You see, you always watch. Satan will twist the morality And he'll use your morality against you. He'll use your virtue against you if you don't have knowledge. And the knowledge mixed with the virtue helps Christians stand up in the the face of all this lies and and craziness and say, thus saith the Lord. Satan wants to keep us ignorant. The Dark Ages refer to centuries of struggle between 500 A.D. and 1500 A.D. The Catholic Church began around 313 A.D. The Roman Catholic Church. When the Roman Empire fell in 476 A.D., the Roman Catholic Church replaced the Roman Empire as the most powerful force in Europe. And you find out what happens next for a thousand years. Europe suffers. Although the priests were often highly educated, the Roman church did not value education for the common man. And really you see a two-tiered system, a fiefdom of masters and servants where the, the nobles and the priests lived one way and the common man lived a totally different life. The Catholic Church believed that the people should be content to listen to the priest in all manners of life and religion. The Roman Catholic Church became incredibly powerful and even more corrupt. To make matters worse, religious services were conducted in Latin, a language unknown to most commoners. Which, by the way, you see a lot of legal documents, medical words, all those are Latin-based words. It makes them sound high fluting, and it, it separates them from everybody else. Instead of, of using the, the Anglo words, they'll use these Latin words that kind of elevate them up, and we don't even know what they mean. And the church did the same thing. The Roman Catholic Church did the same thing with even their, their services. Think about this. Within a few hundred years, only the highest levels of clergy and nobles could read and write. Yeah, true. The world in Europe, Europe forgot how to read and write. That's right. It is said that some of the monks that copied the scriptures could not read or write. They simply copied the shapes of the letters, thinking that they were holy symbols from God. Imagine how much power this gave the Roman Catholic Church. A feudal system was enacted as a form of heaven on earth. With, oh, this, is how they, this is how they promoted it. 
We're going to be like heaven and earth. In heaven, God's the boss, and we're going to serve Him. So we're going to act out heaven and earth by you folks are going to be the servants, and you're going to serve the noblemen, basically becoming slaves tied to land. And this is going to act out biblical truth. You see how they misused biblical truth to almost enslave people for generations? Some even thought that being dirty was a virtue. Think about that. As late as the 1500s, a thousand years later, the Catholic Church persecuted William Tyndale for the crime of translating the Bible into common English, allowing the common man to read it. To make matters worse, at the same time around the world where there wasn't this prejudice against education, this, this trying to keep people under by keeping them ignorant, other discoveries were being made. And sometimes you'll have people say, you know, well, the Dark Ages weren't real, and they will look at the noblemen. The noblemen lived a very different life, and sometimes during the Middle Ages, well, they look at this cathedral or look at this art. That was all the noblemen. The common man lived a, a very different life in, in darkness and ignorance. The Protestant Reformation of the 1500s and the Enlightenment of the 1600s and 1700s were a direct repudiation of the Catholic Church's treatment of the common man. The Protestants rejected the Roman Catholicism and their spiritual corruption the Enlightenment that you find, particularly out of France, they uh, rejected the church as the problem. Since the Roman Catholic Church worked for centuries to prove they were the only church, then what was left whenever they realized, hey, we're being held down by the church, by God. God is the problem. And the Age of Enlightenment focused on skepticism and individualism and reason. And agnosticism and atheism today trace their roots all the way back to this movement here in repudiation against the dark ages of people trying to keep them ignorant so they can be controlled. That's right. But folks, we've already said it's God that wants us to be knowledgeable. That's right. And it's Satan that wants us to be ignorant. True. And that was my introduction. And my time's over. Let me just mention my three points and you can think about them. Write these down if you've got something to write with. Number one, commit to study the Scriptures daily. How do we add to our faith knowledge? Commit to study the Scriptures daily. 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show thyself approved unto God. What should we study? The Word of God. Why daily? The Bible talks about in Acts chapter 17.11, the Bereans search the Scriptures daily whether these things were to be true, and I've got some ideas here about how to study the Scriptures. Don't be content with just reading the Bible. The command is not simply to read it, it's to study it. And if you take five minutes a day, learn a new word, look up a new concept, learn some new Bible geography, look up a person, every day learn something you didn't know about the Word of God. Number two, be a lifelong learner. Children think that when, you, when school's over, they're done learning. The adults know better, don't we? 
You learn for the rest of your life. In fact, the purpose of school is to give you the tools to learn for the rest of your life. And so many people are not curious today. We're, we're content to just be amused by some foolish show or by some mind-numbing game. There's a lot of things to learn in the world. Every day you should learn a new word. You should learn a new fact. You should listen to elders talk. You should learn a, a productive skill. Learn how to communicate. Learn how to get along with people. Be curious about everything in life. Go into life with your eyes and ears open. Every day I learn a fact that makes me go, wow, I didn't know that. Keeps the mind nimble and it gives you that hunger to learn. And then lastly, make learning about Jesus Christ the great ambition in your life. 2 Peter 3.18, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Make learning about Jesus Christ the great ambition in your life. Jesus should be the obsession of every believer. What did Jesus do? Why did he do it? How does he think? What would he do in my situation? What does Jesus think about what's going on today? The ultimate goal of the Christian life is to be like Jesus. Finally, we learn about Jesus through His Word, 2 Peter 3.18. We learn about Jesus through His work, Matthew 11.29. We learn about Jesus through His woe, Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10. I've tried to make the case tonight. God wants us to have faith. He wants us to add virtue to our faith, and we learned why it's important to do that first. Amen. And then He wants us to add knowledge to our virtue. And as the series goes on, we'll learn more and more of these things. Father, thank you for the opportunity to study your word. I pray you'd help us all to be students of the word of God. Every day we can learn something we didn't know. You want us to be knowledgeable. Satan wants us to be ignorant concerning good and righteousness. And there's a, a full court press trying to get people to be knowledgeable of sin and wickedness and evil. And Lord, may your people reject that and live in the light of the knowledge which you've